Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast, episode 897 of the Real Deal Podcast. We're getting close to 900. I'm back off a little, I'm going to say mini vacation as we continue to look at seasons one through three of the epic hit series Snowfall. We are on currently season one, episode five, seven, four. Um, Quick recap, Franklin, fireworks, there were fireworks at Uncle Jerome's, at Uncle Jerome's party, literally and figuratively. Teddy and, Teddy and Alejandro survive a scare, and Gustavo meets the family. So just a quick recap on what transpired uh, in this episode. No Avi, this episode, no Avi, um, which, you know, is never a good thing as far as I'm concerned. He he actually is a big is a major part of the show. But we'll we'll see we'll see plenty of him uh, over the course of the latter over the course of the up and coming episodes, especially considering how this episode ended. Uh we begin so A V A V Club had a review. Here's what the A V Club reviewed for this particular episode. Isn't wasn't sure who the story was trying to, uh, whose story they were trying to tell, and thought that the stories and characters were spread too thin. So AV, for the second straight episode, AV was not particularly in love with this particular episode. Um, I love this episode myself. I, I completely get what they were trying to do with this particular episode. Now, the Teddy... The Teddy Mac, Alejandro scenes, they're a little rough. I mean, let's be honest with you. But remember, what you have to remember about Snowfall is this is not a situation where this is like Breaking Bad or Mad Men or even um, The Sopranos. So right at this stage in his career, we know Franklin is the primary character, but there were two other storylines that were on, on the same level as Franklin's. If you go back to those story, those shows that I just mentioned, Breaking Bad, it was all about Walt. Mad Men was all about Don Draper. Even though they might have some separate ones, they had some separate ones as well, but mainly it was about Don Draper. But certainly, The Sopranos was about Tony Soprano. Tony Soprano. The Sopranos was about Tony Soprano. And with James Gandolfini um, leading the way, this is not the case with Snowfall. So they had to give you something with these other storylines. Remember, this is basically it's Franklin, Gustavo, Franklin, Teddy, Gustavo. Like that, those are your, those are your primary characters. Those are those are where those were where these stories and where these themes were going to be uh, centered uh, centered around, or these storylines were going to be centered around. So I could see what they were doing, but I also could see the other side in terms of. The last couple episodes, they have been these these scenes with uh, Alejandro and, and uh, Teddy Mac have been rough. Uh, so I, I I can see where they were coming from from that standpoint. Dreams, uh, Daddy's home. We will flush that out. Uh, Alton officially returns, and that's where we're going to begin with the deep dive. Alton, who uh, of course is the father of Franklin, he was. Um, we'll talk more about the scene. With, of course, he was bailed out by Franklin, two hundred dollars. Now, here's what I love what they what they did with the with the Alton character. 
um, in regards. And I'm not even thinking about big picture. I'm just thinking about I'm taking just what I what we've seen throughout the first five episodes, and what we see in particular the, the last this particular episode. Usually, you know, usually you see a character like Alton, a father that wasn't around. There's this ideal, or there's this narrative that he was a deadbeat, drunk, drug addict. It's normally just a one-dimensional. Let's be honest. We've seen years of television where normally that type of character, he gets out of jail, no good to nobody, no good to society, and he's really he's sometimes, many times, a one-note character. And he comes out, and it's, you know, it, it becomes, it can become, it could be a redemptive a story of redemption, or it's going to be a story where he's going to continue doing what got him to his, to the point to where he's at in life. Alton was not. This this was not the case with Alt coming out of prison. Immediately, this guy now he comes out. Listen, he has a beard, whatever. He wasn't obviously wasn't dressed up, and you know just got out of jail. Of course, he had some alcohol, had some drug problems. Clearly, Alton had some issues. Let's not let's not get twisted from that standpoint. But Alton, he comes out immediately. He is under. He is in total control of his emotions. He is in total control. He is observant. He's white. If you notice, again, he we find out that he's an ex-Black Panther. And really, if you do your, you know, there's a great book on the Pan on the Black Panthers, um, the history of Black Panthers. I, I mean, I have it. I don't have it. I don't have it as an army, but it's somewhere in my apartment. The Black Panthers were the the perception of them versus the reality of reality of them were not were just did, did not equate. They had this perception: black men with guns threat to society on the Hoovers and the FBI's list and all that shit. You can do, you know, do your history from that standpoint. But the reality was they protected the community. They had breakfast programs and they did a lot of wonderful things for the community. Yeah. Some of them have drug problems and go through things that everyday people go through. Absolutely. But for the most part, the black Panthers, they understood the laws so again, there was a perception and reality. The perception of them versus reality was just not the same, and that is clearly to me what this is. What I think they showed you with Alden. Alden is highly intelligent. Again, Alden came at when he. And we'll break down the scene with Franklin Alden with Franklin Alden later when we look at best scenes. But he comes out. Um, first of all, Franklin loves Alden. He loves Alden. He's curious about Alden. He bailed Franklin. Like he wasn't. Alden was not begging Franklin to bail him out. Franklin made the choice to bail Alden, Alden uh, out, out, out of jail. And even when he shows up at the uh, barbecue at Jerome's house, is Sissy who was out of control, and rightfully so. I mean, Sissy clearly there was some things that went on in their relationship. Well, Alden, you know. Heard through some stuff, through some things. We'll find out about that later. I'm sure. I'm sure to get more details. So I'm not saying that he was, you know, this guy was father of the year, but he come he when he comes out of jail, he comes out like, like I said, in total control of of his emotions and in total again just his sense of awareness in terms of what is going on, considering that he was in jail and considering that. He's kind of been out of the loop from a family standpoint. It's really real. It was remarkable to watch. Um, and, you know, as you do a rewatch on this uh, on, on on this season one, 
just remarkable to watch um, him just, you know, kind of look at the, you know, kind of see what's going on. Again, he's observing everything. He's observing, he's observing Franklin. He's observing Jerome. He's observing the entire situation. And we'll, you know, we'll deal with, and even how he responded to the, to one of the scenes that we'll talk about that was, you know, experience. And that was no, that, that was understanding, you know, what he, what he needed to do at that standpoint at, at that particular time. So this is clearly a guy who is a very layered character. It's not a one note character. There's very many layers to out to out to um, out. And we'll come to, you know, come to find out what those layers are over the course of these uh, of these next couple of seasons of this season and the next next couple in particular, but again, Franklin again is clearly curious about who Alton is and what he's about, and you know him being a Black Panther, um, and and Alton you know again we'll talk more about you know you hear Alton not discuss you know wanting to be his own man. And I think he, I mean, he had a, he made a real, uh, it was a very powerful statement that he made in terms of wanting that he was certain that he was trying to be his own man. And if you remember, again, if you remember, if you've done, if you, I mean, even if you weren't alive during that point, during that time period, which I wasn't, if you've done enough research on the Black Panthers, the Black Panthers were, you know, looked upon as being public enemy number one. So he had two strikes against him. He had number one as a black man, and number two, he was a black panther. So trying to be, trying to mean who you were, who you are, if you were in there, if you were a black man and black panther, society did not allow you to comfortably be yourself, which I'm sure contributed to Auden's, uh Problems with drugs, with alcohol, and with just life in general. And I think that they, you know, what we're going to come to find, we're going to come to find out, we're going to come to find, you know, how that connects certainly with Franklin. Something resonated with Franklin from that standpoint, you know, or, or otherwise he would not bail him out. Period. And again, I liked how they have set up this relationship because it, it, they could have went easily. And we thought we saw maybe it was an episode two. What was it? First episode one or two? Maybe it was the first episode when Franklin saw saw Alton, and you know a tear rolled. You know that that uh that Denzel glory tear rolls down his eyes, his eye, and he just kept told uh, Louis to keep driving. Um, so if you first see the if you see the the initial. If you see that initially, you think it's going to be a, a classic case of that ain't shit, I hate that, fuck that, so on and so on. That was not the case. That was not the case with this situation, with the dynamic between Franklin and Alton. And I'm glad that they went in that direction because it would have been easy to go in that particular direction uh, considering what you thought it was going to be in these narratives about black fathers, especially in this country, and the narrative also about what what it was with in terms of the Black Panthers as well. Best scenes, Alton and Franklin. Um, so you know, 
out and basically um they're just talking with franklin about about his friends about you know he looks at the scar on franklin's face and says hey you either got it one or two ways either you know you know at the job or which one of your jobs did you get it at did you get the scar from was it mr charles mr Charles, or sling it for your uncle um franklin proceeds to basically tell him you know tell him to shut the fuck up and then out you know challenges him basically not so much physically but basically you know basically like in essence you know, like don't talk to me like that from that standpoint and basically franklin you know franklin's perception of him Franklin's still kind of confused about who Alden exactly is and what exactly as Alden is, is exactly about. There's still a curiosity, but he goes into the mode of, you know, basically, fuck you, dad. And Alden checks him and basically says, uh, you don't know what it is to be a man in this world, in essence. And that basically shuts, in essence, shuts Franklin down right away. Like, yeah, I know I, yeah, I, I had I've had my faults and I you know made my mistakes but you don't know what it is to be a man in this world because at this point in Franklin's life he's not a man and again I, I can go back to Alton um you know I think that kind of hit Franklin from a standpoint of you know he sees the pictures of him uh of Alton with the black being a black panther and Franklin could not relate because Franklin, of course, is not a grown man. He also was not. Franklin is also has not doesn't know anything about or doesn't has no association or affiliation with the Black Panther. So he didn't know about that. So Alton shut Franklin down from that standpoint. Um, it doesn't again. It, they you know they had a debate right in front of everybody, but it didn't, it didn't get to. Again, it didn't get too out of control to where, you know, again, a cla classic television drone comes in or since he comes in. But I, I'm glad it was written the way it was written to let them discuss it, handle it, uh, figure it out or try to figure it out uh, as father and son. Uh, Ramiro Gustavo Mar Mauricio. Boris uh, Mauricio is uh, Lucia's uh, father. Ramiro, Ramiro, of course, is an uncle. So Gustavo... Uh, gets invited to the uh, to meet the family during their during their celebration, their Fourth of July celebration. They try to get you know they try to fill him out, try to see what he's about. Um, ask if they can trust him. Gustavo says all the right things. They kind of give him a sense of you know give him give him tell him basically he could have an opportunity to move up, you know, with loyalty and what have you. They give they tell him they've struggled with loyalty of late. Uh, and then basically tell him to get out the room. Um, and then you see Gustavo uh, Ramiro give uh, the, his brother a look after um, Gustavo lose. Now, of course, listen, they don't, they, they're in a position right now where no, can, do they completely trust him? But at this point, they don't know who to trust, and they, but they need bodies. And Gustavo has cleared, has proven to be effective. He's killed a couple of people. He's obviously he's obviously gotten closer to Lucio and, and and Pedro to a lesser extent. So right now, Ramiro is kind of like you know, like yeah, I don't completely trust this guy, but he could be a a a major play, a major part of the family moving forward if he does do well by continues to do well by. Um, 
by the family and getting similar to Franklin being curious about Alvin. Romero is curious about Gustavo and, the, and his future prospects for the Villanueva uh, family. Gustavo and Lucia. Uh, Gustavo, of course, tells Lucia, you, got, you have some lunatics in your family, but your, but your father is cool. Um, they, of course, need help moving the cocaine, moving the drugs. Um, Gustavo tells Lucia, I can find somebody to sell to, sell them to, but if I'm going to do that, then I need, I need a piece of the pie. Like we need to be equal partners, myself, you, myself, and, and Pedro. Dude, Lucia is reluctant to it, but she really has, Gustavo explains to her, hey, I've killed two people. I've been a big, already been a big part of, the, of your organization from that standpoint. I don't give a shit about what Pedro thinks. Now, again, Gustavo is in a place of power right now. He has, like I said, he's, he's, Killed, he's killed a couple of people uh, to cover up for them, to kind of uh, cover up for them and cover up for Pedro and Lucio. So they almost, in a, in a sense, they almost, in a way, have no choice but to acquiesce to his demands, to be honest with you. So Gustavo, Lucio says, you know, we'll see what happens. If you can make this happen, then, you know, we'll see. And, and I'll, you know, I'll tell Pedro. As this conversation is going on, you see Romero, uh, looking at Lucio and Gustavo, you also saw Ramir, earlier. You saw Ramiro along with Pedro, who was who was drunk out of his mind. Well, not drunk out of his mind. But it, was, it, was, it was definitely tipsy. As he tries to gain his father's trust back and tries to get in his father's good graces, um, look on, uh, look on at Gustavo and Lucia. Listen, listen, this is a move that Gustavo. And, you know, a power play that Gustavo had to make. Like, if I'm going to be killing people and making all these sacrifices, I'm not just going to be the help. Like, yeah, and if I'm going to make give you this type of connect, then I'm going to, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I need what I need. I need my peace. And you see uh, Gustavo just being, again, being a very observant, kind of watching, you know, watching the surroundings, watching how they, watching how the family moves. Um, and he, Certainly, with this uh, with this move, with this uh, situation, and uh, made his move a move that he that was frankly necessary. Like if he's going to take the risk that he's taking, he might as well he might as well get something out of it more than money. So we get back to uh, Jerome's party. Previously, the uh, Jerome had pipe, uh, popped off some fireworks on the roof and almost almost burnt the roof down. Uh, so the police come up. Police come. They think. Uh, they get reports of gunshots when exact when it was it was fireworks. We know how close the similarity between the two can, between fire between fireworks and guns can sound similar sounds. And you see the police, you see the police talking and asking Jerome questions. Of course, you know Jerome. Jerome's gonna basically say, you know, this is my motherfucking house, and he you know, gets smart police. But it wasn't until Franklin. Uh, spoke back to the police that things got out of control. Basically, Franklin tells the police, you know, check these nuts. And then the police officer, that set the police officer off. He basically shoves push Sissy aside, who's in between her Franklin and the police officer. And the police officer nearly choked Franklin to death to the point where uh, where you had to have Melanie's father, uh, that his name is Lumi right now, um, and basically save Franklin as a uh, Save Franklin from the police. Um, yeah, this is prevalent. 
not, I mean, all over the country, but especially in Los Angeles, has always been this dynamic of a core relationship between uh, the police and the black communities, and especially in Los Angeles. Los Angeles, if you know to understand the history of Los Angeles, Los Angeles has a history, a deep-rooted history of racist cops and of, again, just had they just have an awful relationship uh with the black with the black community this is going back just decades upon decades watts riots rodney king you can go there have been a litany of things that um that have happened between the african-american communities and the police and uh and certainly this won't be the first without this would be the first of many situations that you're going to see that play out um Andre, Andre was was uh, the cop. Andre, of course, Melody's father, who's a cop himself, had to come in and intervene, and you know, again, the cop nearly choked Franklin. Not, you know, choked Franklin with his baton, and uh, almost took Franklin out. Um, when yeah, Franklin's showing his youth with basically telling the cop, a white cop, to you know, check these nuts, which certainly was not going to end well. Uh, maybe in another situation where there wasn't people around that could have ended, you know, with a sh- uh, a, a bullet to the head. Uh, but again, this it, this taps into the dynamic of that just a poor relationship, just a where it's been a just awful relationship between black communities and uh Los and the police and the Los Angeles Police Department. Again, the Los Angeles Police Department is steeped in racism. I mean, steeped in it. Um, just you can do your, do your own history check and your own research from that standpoint. Um, Franklin, Kevin, and Leon. So we wrap up the episode with Franklin being back in the game. Franklin, Kevin, Franklin. Uh, earlier in the episode, you had Leon talking about one of Carvel's people that got killed. So there kind of was like an opening in the streets in terms, in terms of it being an opening possibly for them to make some moves. Uh, Leon is anxious to get back in. Franklin was reluctant in the beginning of the episode, but I think, you know, the meeting with his dad and him getting choked out by the cop, I think kind of changed his mind. And I also think, listen, I think the idea, I think that when Leon, not Leon, when Franklin has that meeting, has that conversation with his dad, his dad says, says, I was trying to be my own man. I think that certainly resonates with Franklin who is also searching to be his own man and not what the world wants him to be or his mother wants him to be or anybody else wants him to be. So Franklin says to Kevin, can you, you know, can we get your aunt's car so that we can head, uh, take a, you know, take a trip. So we want to catch the bus to obvious, which lets you know that they are back, uh, in the game. That he's going to be back in the game. MVP out. Uh, again, this actor, Kevin Carroll, I believe is the actor's name. You saw him, of course, in, in Paid in Full back in the day. Um, he was just really stood out in this episode um, with a very, um, yeah, Kevin Carroll is his name, with a very, uh, I thought, controlled performance of very, it didn't, it did not come off as a typical get out of jail, alcoholic, 
you know, drug abuse dad. Yeah, they had him with a beard. They had him with some, you know, some somewhat raggedy clothes a little bit, but not. But his performance is very. It was a. It was very much like I said, a very centered, um, controlled performance. And when he made his points, he made them count. Like he wasn't talking out of his ass here. Like he's talking like a man who was in a lot of has been in a lot of pain, has been through a lot. And I think again, they're gonna we're gonna we're gonna see more as the the season goes along, and as this as we learn more about this character, and also with the stories in terms of the Black Panthers and now that how you know you're gonna see get a chance to see the, some of the Black Panthers the story through his through the lens of uh of one out Williams. So who's the MVP of the episode? Um, that's gonna wrap up this latest edition of the Real Deal podcast. I will see you next time for episode six of the Snowfall season one, episode six of the Snowfall rewatch seasons one through three. Have a great, great rest of your evening. So long.